Okay, welcome to the uh, conversation today. Uh, my name is Henry Gao, and I'm here today with uh, Professor Gregory Schaefer. And today we are going to talk about this uh, new gaming town, uh, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. So to start up, uh, Greg, can you tell us uh, what's in the uh, IPEF? So Henry, there is, um, the IPEF is, consists of four pillars, um, but countries who join the IPEF, it's, it's unclear which pillars they are going to join. They're free, in fact, they're free to pick and choose, but they're gonna negotiate over these four pillars. The first pillar is about digital trade and trade facilitation. The second about clean energy and decarbonization. The third about supply chain resiliences. And the fourth about anti-corruption taxes. So there's been the commentators rightly point out what's in this for other countries. I want to go back to ask you that. But first, I wanted to say a little bit what's not in here. What's not in here, first of all, is market access uh, for these countries. But there's other things to think about what's not in here compared to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. If you think about the U.S.-China trade relationship and why the U.S. is concerned about China, which is why it's entering into this arrangement with these, these countries, you really can think about three main issues. One, the U.S. is concerned about Chinese state capitalism and unfair trade. Second, it's concerned about national security, particularly with respect to technology. And third, it's concerned about social policy and Chinese authoritarianism, human rights and worker rights violations. There's, compared to the TPP, there's nothing in these four pillars to address those U.S. concerns. There's nothing about governing state-owned enterprises. There's nothing about curtailing the use of state subsidies. There's nothing about export controls with respect to technology. And there's nothing about workers and labor rights. And so that's quite interesting in terms of what's not in this agreement compared to the modest issues which are in it. So Henry, what do you think will be the reactions from other IPEF members? Well, uh, Greg, that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, the other members are a bit uh, ambivalent. Uh, I understand that uh, there was a lot of uh, revelation uh, because of the lack of market access. Uh, as you rightly pointed out earlier. Uh, but I guess uh, uh, the other members, the other 12 members uh, still decided to uh, give it a try because uh, the U.S. has made clear that you are not expected to uh, commit to all of the four pillars uh, uh, at the moment. Uh, so I guess they just adopt that kind of a walk and say uh, approach. So uh, let me ask you a question, Greg. Uh, do you think that the IPEF will Herod a new type of a trade agreement? So Henry, this I think the IPEF actually is part of a broader trajectory that you see in the United States. The United States is wary of engaging in new binding treaties, particularly with binding dispute settlement. So this agreement could be viewed as an economic trade counterpart to what we saw with the Paris Agreement on climate change. That was a non-binding agreement it is an executive agreement that did not need to be ratified by Congress, but it nonetheless attempted to address a broader issue uh, regarding cooperation with respect to climate change. Here, I think this, this represents, the, the Biden administration says it's going to be, there'll be parts of it as binding, but it looks very much more like a soft law agreement. 
Um, nonetheless, I think it it could be important because you want to ask why are would be our countries interested in engaging with the U.S. on this? And I think they are interested generally for geopolitical reasons. They don't want to choose between the United States and China in terms of their economic trading partner, but they are concerned about Chinese coercion, uh, and they want to make sure that they have resilient supply chains in terms of their their trading interests. And this permits them, it facilitates that. So Henry, what do you think then in terms of the elephant in the room? What does this mean for China? How does China see this? Well, that's a great question, Greg. Uh, China, I, I mean, is, uh, as you said, the elephant in the room. I mean, uh, from the beginning, if you look at the origin of this since uh, from the uh, TPP and so on, the U.S., uh, uh, when they introduced all these new agreements, uh, obviously target China. So, um, uh, I mean, China um, is uh, really concerned about this. Actually, yesterday, right after the IPEF uh, uh, was uh, announced, uh, the Chinese government issued a statement in which they blamed the U.S. for trying to create uh, division in the region they are saying that uh, we would welcome you know open uh, regional agreements so we would not uh, tolerate any effort by the u.s you know to erect more protectionism uh, and so on so i guess china will probably uh, watch it a little bit and then decide whether to uh, join in this uh, new agreement but um, there are many provisions like you rightly pointed out that would be for china so it will be interesting to continue this conversation in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Henry.